the annual Tatfield Cheese Rolling Festival by Summer of Spock Read by Literarian Chapter 2 Each morning I get up, I die a little. Crowley's eyes snapped open and he picked up his phone with growing dread. He'd set a different song as his alarm the night before. He flipped open his lock screen, already knowing what it would say. March 15th. He threw his phone against the wall with a frustrated shout and then pulled the blankets over his head. This wasn't possible. There was no way this was possible. The same day, three times... He had to be going insane. He tossed the blankets off. If that was true, he needed help. And wasn't that the producer's job? He didn't even shower, just got dressed hurriedly and rushed off to Devil's Hill. Aziraphale, I need to talk to you, he said quickly, grabbing Aziraphale's arm and dragging him away from Newt. You don't look very good, Aziraphale said, shrugging off his hand. Do you have a fever? I don't know what I have, Crowley said. He was desperate at this point. He didn't care if he looked like a fool. He needed answers. I think I'm sick. I must be sick. I need a doctor. Something. Are you well enough to do the segment? Aziraphale asked, seemingly torn between taking care of Crowley and doing his job. He groaned. Yes, fine, we'll do the segment, but after... You have to help me. I need someone to talk to. Aziraphale nodded slowly and gave him an awkward, supportive pat on the arm. Crowley shouldn't have leaned into it like a cat into a particularly good scratch, but he couldn't help himself. He was emotionally compromised. Newt rolled the camera and Crowley said, fast as possible, we're at Devil's Hill outside of Tatfield for the annual cheese rolling festival. First one to catch the cheese wins. He dropped his mic and added, keep rolling on the hill. I've got to talk to Aziraphale. Newt goggled at him as Aziraphale protested, Excuse me, that sort of direction is my job. Not today, Crowley said, dragging Aziraphale off by the arm. This is quite unusual, Crowley, Aziraphale said, but he let Crowley lead him along, and when they were finally settled in the pub, Crowley ordered a pint, gesturing for Aziraphale to order if he wanted. A bit early, I think, Aziraphale said, admonishment clear in his voice. Crowley rolled his eyes. Look, I'm going to tell you something and you're going to think I'm mad. And maybe I am. Crowley took a deep breath. This was terrifying, but he had to tell someone. Why the hell had he chosen Aziraphale? Because you need help and he seems like a kind person, the reasonable part of his mind said. A meaner voice hissed back, 
It's because you're obsessed with him. I don't know what's going on, but for some reason I'm reliving the same day. Today, he said in a rush. The beer was settling heavily in his stomach and not calming his nerves at all. Maybe he needed something stronger. Reliving? Aziraphale asked, looking at him as if he were daft. Well, that was basically what Crowley had expected. Yes, March 15th. Reliving March 15th. This is the third time, Crowley said. He desperately needed Aziraphale to believe him. Aziraphale looked at him with concern. A soft hand came and landed atop his where it was curled on the worktop of the bar. My dear, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I think you need professional help. Crowley barely heard him. His hand was so soft. Crowley stared at it, fine manicured nails, a small ring on his pinky. He wanted to turn his hand over and tangle their fingers together. Bad, bad, bad! Yeah, Crowley said, swallowing thickly. Professional help, yeah. Aziraphale nodded decisively. I'll go with you to hospital. Crowley took a fortifying sip of his beer. It was going to be a long day. But he'd take a long day if it meant tomorrow would be a new one. Two x-rays, a CAT scan and a humiliating psychiatry appointment later, Crowley was slumped at the pub, no closer to having an answer to his predicament, but thankfully much closer to being drunk. Looking a bit sad there, laddie, a voice said to his left. He turned with a frown to who he recognised as the master of ceremonies from the hill, Shadwell. Not sad, existential, Crowley said before finishing his beer. Shadwell frowned at him. I can't say I know exactly what that means, but the next one's on me. It's a festival. It's sodding trees, Crowley said under his breath, but accepted the beer gratefully. The young lady bartending pulled him a pint and passed it to him. Oi, pop girl. Crowley said. I have a question. The girl raised her eyebrows and said, Aren't you too old to be hitting on me? Crowley gasped in theatrical offence. Me? Old? Bit rude. Besides, you're not a bloke. Wouldn't be hitting on you if I were young. The girl relaxed slightly. What's your question? If you only had one day to live and there were no consequences, what would you do? The girl hummed. Huh. No consequences? No consequences. She tapped her nails against the bar top. I think I'd spend a lot of money, get drunk, break the law. 
Crowley leaned forward, mind suddenly lighting up with possibility. Actually, I think I'd tell everyone how I really feel about them. Good and bad. Go out with no secrets. She said with a firm nod. You know what, pup girl? Pup girl scowled at him, eyebrows drawing together over her round glasses and making her look cute in a schoolgirl sort of way. My name is Anathema. Anathema, then. Crowley said, lifting his glass and draining it before slamming it down on the counter. This one's for you. Crowley clambered up onto his stool and then onto the bar. Oi! A few people around him looked up at him and silence fell in steadily growing circles around him. Hushed whispers and pointed fingers. Oi! He yelled again, and a handful more people turned to him. I'm Anthony Crowley, he said as loudly as he could, and I hate this town. The hushed whispers turned incensed. Shut up, you ponce, someone shouted from the back of the room. But Crowley was not about to shut up. He had things to say. About five years of things to say. Tadfield is the worst sort of small town with the worst sort of small people. You're boring and stupid and your lives are totally meaningless. You worship cheese, for God's sake. Crowley felt a hand tugging on his ankle and he looked down to see endless grey eyes full of concern. Aziraphale. What? Get down from there, Aziraphale hissed. You're embarrassing yourself. Crowley knocked his hand away with his foot and turned back to the room at large. This whole thing is an embarrassment, a farce. Every single one of you is a pathetic excuse for a person. Shadwell appeared next to Aziraphale, brow furrowed. And you, Crowley said, joyful mania carrying him through his tirade. It felt so good to finally say it all. Sod the world and sod Tatfield along with it. Master of cheese rolling bullshit, Crowley sang mockingly, arms out wide. Shadwell, you're the worst of the lots. Laddie, you might want to get down from there. Shadwell growled, but Crowley ignored him as he started to roll up his sleeves. The bread! What is it with the blasted bread? It's tradition! Shadwell bellowed, grabbing Crowley by the heels and yanking him down off the bar. For a seventy-year-old man, he was quite strong. Crowley found this out when his head knocked into the floor and he saw stars. In the blurry edge of his vision, he saw Aziraphale trying to hold Shadwell back, but it didn't matter because the other residents of Tadfield seemed just as happy to carry out what he started. Starting with a punch to the face. By the time he was finally tossed out of the pub and into the snow, Crowley had a mouth full of blood and probably a few bruised ribs. He laid on the ground and stared at the sky, 
snowflakes dancing in his vision as he started to laugh. Aziraphale appeared, leaning over him, the street lamps haloing his head. Crowley, have you gone mad? He sounded angry. Maybe, Crowley said with a grin. Blood trickled over his lips, but it didn't matter. For the first time in his existence, Crowley could say what he wanted to say, when he wanted to say it, and not give a shit what other people thought. He could be himself. It didn't matter if he was an ass or if people didn't like him. He could say absolutely anything. So he said, You look like an angel, you know. Aziraphale rolled his eyes as he helped Crowley to his feet. Let's get you to bed. Only if you come with me, Crowley said, and maybe a little blood came out with the words, but no more than a teaspoon. Remind me never to drink with you again, Aziraphale said, leaving him in a pile on the steps of the inn before retreating inside. Each morning I get up, I die a little. Crowley's eyes snapped open and he grabbed his phone off the nightstand. March 15th. He sat up in bed, grinning. March 15th. He took an extra long time in the shower. Where did he need to be? Not the thrice-damned cheese-rolling festival. The world would go on without him for 24 hours, and then he'd have 24 more. He could do what he wanted, say what he wanted. Maybe he was mad, but it was starting to feel like a blessing. Thoroughly scrubbed and very satisfied, Crowley returned to his bedroom, ready to settle in with a movie and do absolutely nothing for a day. He'd earned a break after the hell he went through. Well, unless this was hell, of course. But it didn't feel like it, he decided as he nestled into the... There was a pounding at the door. Fuck. What? He shouted, disgruntled as he revised the hell theory. Open the door this instant, Anthony! Crowley's heart twisted at the anger in Aziraphale's voice. My name is Crowley, he growled, yanking open the door with a scowl. He didn't want to feel guilty, so he wouldn't. But there was Aziraphale, pink-cheeked and huffing, his bow tie slightly askew. Crowley's hands itched to straighten it. Do what you want, no consequences. He reached out and tweaked the tie, watching it draw parallel to Aziraphale's chin and yanking his hand back when Aziraphale gasped. Where were you? Aziraphale demanded after a brief, stammering start. Just, just sleeping in? Crowley looked behind him and grimaced. Based on the state of his room, that certainly looked like what he'd been doing. The telly was on and the bed was rumpled. Crowley was in his penguin-printed pyjamas with wet hair. Not a good look. Look, I didn't need to be at the stupid festival, 
so I didn't go. This is your job, Crowley, Aziraphale insisted. Crowley honestly thought he might stomp his foot, which would have been adorable. The thought stuttered to a stop in Crowley's mind. He paused and looked at the man in his doorway. He was soft. Crowley couldn't deny that. His jaw was nothing to speak of. In fact, it ran down into a slight roll before meeting the collar of his shirt. His stomach pushed out against the fabric of his sweater vest. In demeanor, Aziraphale was all nervous hands and huffing breaths. But those eyes! They pinned Crowley, storm grey and so deep, like the whole world could be contained behind them. Crowley had seen the way Aziraphale smiled at everyone but him, the way his eyes formed deep, happy, unself-conscious creases. What are you staring at? Aziraphale snapped. Crowley licked his lips. No consequences? He grasped Aziraphale's face and yanked him up into a searing kiss. Aziraphale gasped into it, body stumbling forward slightly. Crowley's whole body lit up, waves of electricity emanating from the point where their lips touched. He wanted it to last forever. Unfortunately, it didn't, because suddenly a strong hand on his chest pushed him back. Crowley spluttered in surprise, already mourning the loss of that beautiful mouth. Aziraphale's face was red, his lips a kiss-bitten pink that had Crowley's stomach turning over. How dare you! Aziraphale demanded, gorgeous eyes glittering and turning darker by the second. I... And then Aziraphale punched him. Crowley stumbled back, back slamming into the door as he clutched at his nose. Aziraphale shook out his hand and glared at him. Don't you ever do that again! Crowley groaned as his nose started to bleed. And you will always be on time to shoot, Aziraphale said before turning on his heel to go. He hesitated before looking back at Crowley. And you will be nicer to Newt, he added firmly before walking off. Crowley pinched his bleeding nostrils. He didn't think it was broken, but it was certainly bleeding. The pain in his nose was nothing compared to the nausea in his stomach. What was this? Did he... Did he feel guilty? Fuck. Maybe no consequences needed to be amended to no long-lasting consequences. It became clear after five more March 15th of sleeping in, always do the morning segment or Aziraphale will come to your door and yell at you, which will ultimately result in you feeling terrible for the rest of the day or doing something stupid, like try to spend more time with him. But doing the segment changed nothing. 
Aziraphale still pursed his lips at him and lectured him and acted like Crowley was an asshole. Which he was, but that was beside the point. He spent his evenings sulking and drinking and eating terrible food. He just wanted to stop thinking about Aziraphale. He wanted to be able to go to the pub and not stare at him wistfully from across the room. On the 8th, March 15th, he was three pints deep and feeling sorry for himself when he realized what he should do. Complete immersion. What was that saying? The only way out is through? He was going to spend more time with Aziraphale. He had God only knew how many March 15ths to look forward to and he was going to spend at least one in Aziraphale's company, because why not? And maybe some time with him would put a stop to this obsession. God, what if he managed to shag him? The thought made his trousers grow tight. Maybe that's what he needed. If he could get Aziraphale into bed, he could forget this entire thing and get on with his life. Crowley wasted three days working up the nerve to do anything. Finally, after his stupid, unending segment, Crowley dropped his microphone, unable to look away from Aziraphale, who was happily chatting with Newt about something he couldn't hear. His breath was coming in short white puffs and his cheeks were pink with the cold. He was... he was... Aziraphale, Crowley said, mouth a bloody runaway train. The man looked up and gave him a tentative smile. Good segment, Crowley, Aziraphale began, likely assuming Crowley wanted to talk about work. It was the last thing he wanted to talk about. Perhaps you could use a little more energy. You seemed terribly solemn, but your speed was... Want to get a drink? Crowley asked. Newt made a little squeaking sound that was probably a choked laugh, and Crowley vowed to make sure he had a minor injury before the day was out. Something non-fatal, probably. Aziraphale's eyebrows furrowed. It's 8 a.m. Coffee, then, Crowley said. I'll buy you coffee. Or breakfast. The to-bean-or-not-to-bean has a decent omelette. And pretty good bread. Cocking his head, Aziraphale looked at Newt in silent question. The lad shrugged. What do you want, Crowley? You don't need to butter me up with breakfast or what have you. You can just ask. I'm your producer he said. I'm meant to help you. Crowley's stomach did a forlorn tap dance, but he pushed on. I want to get to know you better, Crowley said with a shrug. Which was true, but not the whole story. I think we got off on the wrong foot. I had a bad day yesterday, and I took it out on you. Let me make it up to you. Out of the corner of his eye, Crowley saw Newt shake his head as he began to pack up his equipment. Aziraphale seemed to be thinking very hard, grey eyes twinkling in the cold, as he considered Crowley. All right. I don't see what it could hurt. It's probably best to get to know each other. 
We work better together that way. Crowley sighed in relief. Now he just had to be on his best behavior. The cafe in town was full to bursting after the excitement of the morning, but they managed to get a table. Crowley ordered a hazelnut latte, which had Aziraphale looking at him askance as he ordered Earl Grey tea. So, Crowley said, leaning onto his elbows in order to be closer to Aziraphale and be heard over the racket of people recounting the festival. The entire cheese rolling had taken less than five minutes, so Crowley had no idea what there was to recount. What got you into producing? Right to the heart of it, then, Aziraphale said with a sigh, like this was a conversation he'd had a number of times. How about you tell me what got you into newscasting? Crowley shrugged. A topic he didn't love, but he supposed he'd asked for it. Studied journalism at uni. I wanted to be a writer, but at my first gig I got tapped to run the weather, and then the special interest pieces. The producers there said something about interesting faces being good for ratings. I don't know. It's a living, you know. Aziraphale cocked his head, eyes moving over Crowley's face. I suppose you do have an interesting face. Memorable. Crowley's ears began to grow hot under Aziraphale's obvious scrutiny. Enough about me, he said, waving his hand. I asked you first. Aziraphale sighed. The waitress appeared and set their drinks in front of them. Aziraphale gave her a grateful smile and Crowley immediately wanted to see that smile turned in his direction. I didn't always want to do this work. I actually studied classical theatre. Crowley cocked his head. I didn't even know you could get a degree in that. What would that even include? Shakespeare, I'd wager. Yes, Shakespeare, Marlowe, the like. Aziraphale said, and Crowley wondered at the blush staining his cheeks. It wasn't embarrassing to study something like that. You must be awfully clever, Crowley said, frankly. Aziraphale's eyes snapped to meet his. Re really? He looked unsure for the first time since Crowley had seen him. No smarmy comment about useless degrees? Well, I don't know. Theatre. That must come in handy for producing television. Sort of theatre, really. Not that I'm any sort of expert, Crowley said. That was definitely rambling. He was nervous. Which was stupid. He was being stupid. Aziraphale continued to stare at him, shell-shocked. That was... That was almost considerate. Are you certain you wouldn't like to get a jab in? Not trying to be rude or anything. Just asking questions, Crowley said petulantly. This was stupid. What had he been thinking? You can't blame me for expecting a bit of rudeness, Aziraphale said. I know we've just met, but you've hardly been polite. The crepes Aziraphale had ordered were placed in front of him, and his entire face lit up. 
Crowley made a mental note to find out what other things made Aziraphale look like that. Yeah, I'm an ass. That's not news. Crowley said glumly as he stabbed at his ex-Benedicts. This wasn't going as well as he'd thought. One good exchange and they were already on Crowley's shit behaviour. Maybe you're not as bad as you think, Aziraphale said softly, and Crowley met his eyes. His heart skipped a beat, like he was in some sort of stupid film. Aziraphale looked earnest, his grey eyes shining in the ugly fluorescent lighting. No one should look that beautiful in this sort of lighting. Unfair was what it was. Good. Crowley said, swallowing with some difficulty. And it was good. One step closer to getting Aziraphale to trust him. Newt clanged through the cafe door and approached their table. Dick Turpin's ready when you are. Crowley laughed. Actually laughed. Not cruelly or mockingly. Just laughed, shocking himself. <laughs> What would you guys say to staying in Tatfield an extra day? Avoiding the snow and seeing the sights? Crowley asked. Two pairs of eyes turned on him in shock. You hate Tatfield, Newt pointed out. Not taking his eyes off Aziraphale, Crowley said, It's growing on me. The day went downhill from there. Crowley took Aziraphale and Newt to the antique shop and made mocking jokes about people who collected entire sets of china. Because china was for posh bastards. Turned out Aziraphale was a posh bastard himself and Crowley had put his foot in it. Aziraphale had huffed and turned his back on Crowley, deciding to consult with Newt instead. When the snow started to blanket the streets, they took refuge in the pub. Crowley watched sullenly as Newt and the pub girl hit it off by the bar. Well, as much as Newt could hit it off with anyone, which was, in this case, making the girl laugh. You know, Aziraphale began, leaning over the table they were sharing in the far corner of the four horsemen. I heard we actually get to taste the cheese. Crowley snorted bitterly. This earned him a sharp look, and he scrubbed a hand over his mouth, pretending he hadn't made any noise at all. Yeah, depends on the winner. Some of them are pretty greedy. Have you ever had it, though? I hear it's the same every year. It's not like I stick around long enough to try the cheese, Aziraphale, Crowley snapped. Aziraphale scowled at him. That was certainly the final nail in the coffin of trying to get Aziraphale to like him enough to go to bed with him. Good thing he had a few more days to try. And every morning Crowley got up and tried. And he failed over and over and over again. One day it was, get breakfast with me, 
Crowley said as Haziraphale fussed with his jacket, tutting about how it was too cold for such light clothes. Aziraphale's hands dropped to his sides. Breakfast? Don't you want to leave? I thought you were ready to leave the minute this was over. Crowley shrugged, heart racing. He wished he could tell the truth, but the truth made Aziraphale think he was mad and that wouldn't get him any closer to shagging him and getting this out of his system. Never stuck around to see what the fuss is about, Crowley said. Might be fun. Aziraphale looked at him warily, but let Crowley take him to breakfast. So, Crowley said, deciding to start with a different question, because last time hadn't worked out quite so well. Where are you from? Aziraphale cut into his Belgian waffle. London, actually. Yourself? Can't tell by my accent, Crowley asked, a bit of predatory flirting creeping into his voice. Shit, he'd need to cut that out. Aziraphale would hardly want to go to bed with him if he was being sleazy. Somewhere up north, certainly, Aziraphale said primly, a dollop of whipped cream on the corner of his mouth. Crowley wanted to lick it. Got it in one, Crowley said. He'd gotten crepes in hopes of having something to talk with Aziraphale about. But the man had gotten waffles. He must have a sweet tooth. Silence fell, and Crowley grasped for something to say besides, let me lick your whole face, starting with that dollop of cream. Aziraphale saved him from his stupid thoughts. I heard the shop that makes the cheese is in town here. Do you think I could meet the proprietors? I'd love to ask some questions. Why would you want to meet some idiot cheesemakers? Crowley asked incredulously, and Aziraphale's easy smile disappeared, expression going cold. You certainly don't have to come, Aziraphale said, pushing away his half-eaten waffle. He rifled in his pocket and tossed down a bill. Thank you for breakfast, but I think I'll be going. I should check on Newt. Crowley watched him go and swore under his breath. Another day was, Want to meet the people who make the cheese wheel? Crowley asked as they walked back into town the next day. Aziraphale perked up. That would be quite interesting. I wonder how long it takes to make ten pounds of cluster. It seems like quite the undertaking. They went to the cheese shop, and when the proprietor offered them a slice of blue Stilton, Crowley took a bite and promptly spit it onto the floor. That is disgusting. Aziraphale had immediately apologized to Agnes, who seemed more shocked than angry, and dragged Crowley out of the shop just as snow began to sift down from the sky. You are deplorable! Aziraphale said, stomping his foot, and Crowley's stomach roiled with guilt. Look, it's not my fault that woman makes cheese that tastes like dirty socks. Aziraphale let out an angry groan and turned on his heel. Ah, oh, Blue Stilton is supposed to taste like that, you wretched man. I'm going to find Newt. Have a nice day, Crowley. 
Try not to alienate anyone else before we leave tomorrow. Crowley watched him march away, desperation swelling unbearably in his chest. It shouldn't be so hard to seduce someone. And so it went. Each day, getting up. Each day, failing. Each morning I get up, I die a little. Crowley groaned. Day who the fuck knew? He couldn't exactly keep a record. Around day 20, he'd stopped trying to count. The sharpie marks on his arms and scratches in the bedside table always disappeared. Just his vague sense of time made him certain it had been over a hundred repetitions at this point. Every minute he spent with Aziraphale, he wanted to press him up against the nearest wall and taste his mouth again. He hadn't kissed him since that first time when Aziraphale had decked him. The man had a mean punch, which was sort of unbearably sexy. But Crowley still wanted to kiss him. Crowley wanted to kiss him when they shared terrible fish and chips at the Four Horsemen. Crowley wanted to kiss him after they spent an evening talking on a park bench in the town square and the snow made Aziraphale look like an angel. He wanted to kiss Aziraphale when he smiled at Crowley supportively behind the camera, when his eyelashes fluttered like he was shy. But Aziraphale didn't even like him. He would get breakfast with him or humor him over a drink, but his eyes never lost their strained quality when Crowley was with him. He always looked one step away from making an excuse and leaving. It was nothing like how he looked when he talked to Madame Tracy or Newt or Pup Girl. Then Aziraphale was all trusting eyes and open smiles. It made Crowley feel things, And he hated it. He wanted to put a stop to all this. Anthony Crowley did not have feelings for people. It took several more failed March 15ths for Crowley to figure it out. He was lying in bed as the snow piled up outside, staring at the ceiling and feeling sorry for himself when he realized he could make Aziraphale like him. He had all the information he needed. Every day he spent with Aziraphale, he had learned new ways to get in his good graces. Those first few days, he never got Aziraphale to stay with him for more than a few hours, but inch by inch he was getting better. Aziraphale loved Shakespeare and 18th century French poetry, even though he could only read it in translation. He loved cakes and sweet things, and even though he liked the Gloucester that rolled down the hill, he preferred camembert. When Crowley had offered to buy him a pound of the stuff the second time they visited Agnes's, he'd turned a lovely shade of pink. He already knew all of that. He just needed to study up. He could read Shakespeare and poetry and use that to impress Aziraphale. He had as many March 15th as he needed to memorize some sonnets. 
Aziraphale would like that. He was sure of it. And maybe, if he played all of that to his advantage, he would finally get Aziraphale to come back to his room where he could kiss him stupid. Then he could move on and start enjoying his damned existence once and for all. There had to be pros to this whole thing. Besides being able to catalogue every single one of Aziraphale's smiles. An indeterminate number of March 15th later, Crowley asked Aziraphale to breakfast again. He extended the invitation to Newt as well, because Aziraphale liked polite people for whatever reason, not people who ignored their crew or spat cheese on the floor of a shop. Newt declined, like he always did, and Crowley took Aziraphale to the only breakfast place in town, watching quietly as he ordered French toast. One of the many fascinating things about Aziraphale was that he always ordered something different. The only point of uniqueness in this hellish time loop. Now he just had to bring up the topics he'd studied. So, what got you into producing? Crowley asked, a question he'd asked Aziraphale multiple times. Aziraphale cocked an eyebrow. I didn't actually expect to end up here, he said, but I like it well enough. What did you expect? Crowley asked carefully. No missteps today. Just chatting with Aziraphale and finding ways to make him like him. I studied classical theatre at university, so I don't believe I was planning ahead, actually. <laughs> Aziraphale laughed self-consciously, but Crowley was ready. Classical theatre? Like Shakespeare? Marlowe? Aziraphale brightened. Oh, yes! I loved it very much, even if it wasn't the most useful thing to study. What's your favourite Shakespeare? I'm a Much Ado fan myself, Crowley said. He'd only read about six of the plays, but he'd tried to get through the heavy hitters. Aziraphale got even more excited. He looked to be practically vibrating. You'll probably think I'm very cliché, but I just love Hamlet. Bit gloomy. Crowley replied, smiling because Aziraphale was smiling and this felt like he was winning a race. The crowd was cheering. That's true. Oh, but the language, the cultural impact, Aziraphale said, going a bit dreamy-eyed. I've read it a ridiculous number of times. Not one for the comedies, then? Oh no, I love those as well, Aziraphale rushed to say. Do you know any Marlowe? I have a soft spot for the Tumberlane. Crowley hesitated. To lie or not to lie? He hadn't gotten to Marlowe. He took a deep breath. Can't say I have. Why don't you tell me about it?
They talked all the way until lunch over refills of coffee and tea as Crowley pulled out bits of obscure knowledge. He'd managed to accumulate quite a few about French poets and Shakespeare's tragedies. It was going so well, and then he slipped up. He got too comfortable. Aziraphale had started discussing Macbeth when Crowley finally fucked up. That one got some good lines, but I didn't follow the plot very well, Crowley said. I listened on audiobook while I worked on a cross-stitch that I... He shouldn't have said that. He immediately clamped his mouth shut. He wasn't supposed to tell Aziraphale about his stupid hobbies. He was supposed to impress him with their similarities and his wit and make him smile. To get him into bed. Yes, not just smile. Crowley had a goal. Aziraphale goggled at him. Cross-stitch? You cross-stitch? Um, what to say? Yes? My grandmother taught me when I was young and I never stopped. It calms me down, helps me focus. Crowley took a deep breath. If Aziraphale thought he was a loser, he could try again tomorrow and keep the cross-stitch thing under his hat. Yeah, I know it's a bit weird, but... I cross-stitch, Aziraphale said, bouncing excitedly. Well, it's more embroidery. I'm quite dreadful at it, but it is a wonderful way to pass the time. Crowley struggled to find a coherent response. And then Aziraphale smiled at him. The smile reached his eyes. This March 15th was turning out better than any of the ones before it. This wasn't at all what I expected to happen when you asked to get breakfast, Aziraphale finally said over dinner at the fanciest restaurant in Tatfield. Which wasn't saying much, but they did have decent wine. Crowley cocked his head. Yeah? I thought you were going to be demanding and rude. You were just so, so mean when we drove in together, and I thought, oh, it's just another asshole newscaster, but today... I suppose first impressions aren't everything. Aziraphale looked at his plate and his cheeks grew pink. I mean, you were right to think that way. I was an ass to you, Crowley said. Aziraphale leaned forward and placed his hand over Crowley's. It was warm and it sent delicious tingles up Crowley's arm. He wanted to kiss him so badly, lay him back on cool sheets and call him Angel. Well, I forgive you. After dinner, they walked down the main street, Aziraphale chattering about the snow, and Crowley was absolutely charmed by it. Perhaps when we get back to the city... Aziraphale paused in his speech, and Crowley looked over at him to make sure he was all right. 
He was staring at his feet as he walked. Perhaps we could get a drink or dinner. Crowley's stomach suddenly ached. Guilt and disappointment warred with each other. He'd spent all day tricking Aziraphale, but he wanted that. More than anything. If only he could... I'd like that, he said, because even if it wasn't everything he felt, it was at least the truth. I suppose I should say good night then, Aziraphale said, a bit sadly, when they finally reached the inn. Crowley hesitated. It was just one day. It had been a good day. He didn't want to ruin it. But this was what he'd been working toward for months. What felt like years. Or maybe you could come to mine? Aziraphale's eyebrows went up. No funny business. Crowley said immediately, because he knew Aziraphale needed to hear it. To his surprise, Aziraphale didn't protest. Instead, he said, Perhaps that would be nice. Just for a bit. Just for a bit turned into hours, turned into laying on Crowley's bed and teasing each other. Crowley thought it might be the best day of his life. It was certainly the best March 15th he'd experienced in his whole sorry existence. He'd wanted to get Aziraphale into bed for a shag, but maybe... Maybe this was better. I used to read a lot of graphic novels, but reading all these old plays has been really interesting. I don't know, seems like there's a lot out there to read, poetry and all. Crowley said. Aziraphale smiled softly, affectionately, and said, What about Shakespeare's sonnets? Those are quite good if you ever decide to branch out from the place. I guess I'll have to start those next, Crowley said. Maybe Shakespeare will have something to say about eyes like yours. Aziraphale blinked at him and then shook his head. You say such sweet things. I can't... It's hard to believe. Well, I mean them, Crowley said firmly. I can't believe it's only been a day, Aziraphale whispered into the space between them. I feel like I've known you forever. Crowley laughed. Forever, just like this, Aziraphale in his bed whispering sweet nothings. That might not be so bad. Aziraphale's finger slid carefully around his wrist and drifted closer, brushing their mouths together. It was electric. It was everything. Crowley pulled away. We can't, he said, even as he kicked himself for turning down the thing he'd been craving for weeks. What had he been thinking, going after a shack? 
Aziraphale was perfect and kind and Crowley... Maybe Anthony Crowley had feelings for people after all. Hurt bloomed in Aziraphale's eyes and he pulled away, sitting up and straightening his clothes. Of course, silly of me, I shouldn't have. Crowley tugged on his arm. It's not you, just not today. If you, if you feel the same way tomorrow, I'll kiss you as much as you'd like. Aziraphale looked back at him with lambent grey eyes. Crowley thought of that moment in the snow. Maybe you could just stay, though, just to sleep? Crowley asked, feeling pathetic, but it was terribly clear his heart was no longer his own. What did it matter? It would only break again tomorrow. Aziraphale settled against the pillows. All right, he said softly, just to sleep. Crowley twined their fingers together, heart racing, and watched him sleep until he couldn't keep his eyes open anymore. Maybe this was it. Maybe all he'd needed to do was admit to his feelings, and tomorrow he'd wake up anew. Each morning I get up, I die a little. Crowley rolled over, saw Aziraphale was gone, and burst into tears. <laughs>